Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is Steph Driver from Broad Street Hockey Radio. I'm sitting here with Chuck Fletcher, General Manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Chuck. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. When you came to Philadelphia mid-season 2018, which is given the pandemic both decades ago and also yesterday, um, what have you learned about the Philadelphia Flyers organization that you didn't know prior to taking the job? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, certainly of all the teams I've worked with over the years, I would say that the Flyers are the most entrenched in the community of, of any organization I've been in. Uh, obviously established back in 67. So you have decades of, of history and familiarity, both the organization with the fan base and the fan base with the organization. So it, it's an extremely passionate fan base, probably the most passionate fan base I've, I've certainly seen. And uh, But I think until you get here and you see kind of the Flyers uh, tentacles into the community and, and, uh, and just how established it is. I, I, I don't think I appreciated that sort of the, the depth of that history and, and the depth of that relationship. And what has been, if you could say one highlight of your time here professionally or personally? Well, well, personally it was being named the general manager of the Flyers. That was, that was pretty cool. You know, it's uh, we're not an original six franchise, but we're, you know, we're as close as you can get. And, and, and again, a tremendous history and, the opportunity to work with so many people that uh, I grew up watching and idolizing, whether it's uh, Bob Clark or, or Bill Barber or, uh, you know, Paul Holmgren, I've known for a long time, a lot of wonderful people in this organization. You know, I, I think the, um, you know, I've been here parts of three seasons and certainly two seasons ago, 1920, we had, we had a pretty good run and, and uh, you know, winning the first round against Montreal was great. And, even the overtime game, we've won uh, well, both game uh, five and six to prolong the series against the Islanders to give us a chance to come back and win that series. Uh, those are certainly highlights. But that entire season, it was a close group. Uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were playing really well and seemed to be peaking and gelling and all those terms that we throw around. And uh, that was certainly fun. We were winning a lot of games and it was just a, a fun to be around the group. Um, so there have been a lot of concerns from fans over the relationship between management and ownership. Can you tell me a little bit more, give me some behind the scenes information about how you work with ownership? Sure. I mean, we're, we're extremely fortunate. Um, uh, you know, Comcast, Comcast Spectacor, give us all the resources. Dave Scott is a, a wonderful person to, to work for and work with. And, and he's, involved in everything we do and gives us all the resources we need to be successful. We spend to the cap. Uh, we have a large staff and if there's anything we need to do, he'll listen uh, to our concerns and listen to our request. And if we can, uh, you know, if we can give a good reason, he's always going to be supportive. So 
um, you know, I don't think there should be any concerns in that regard. This is one of the best uh, relationships I've seen and um, the structure right from the top, you know, through management down to the players, we're, we're all a pretty close group and, and we're all united in our goal to, to bring a Stanley Cup to Philadelphia. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about your role in particular? Uh, that uh, you sit around and make hockey calls all day. I mean, so much of what I do is managing, managing people and staff and, uh, you know, working with the media, working with Dave Scott, working with budgets. Um, but, you know, the bulk of this summer has really been on, on staff issues and working with staff and um, whether it's their employment agreements or uh, issues or concerns they may have. And, and there's a large part of my job that, uh, is managing. A general manager is a very, uh, very apt uh, title, but uh, hockey is obviously a big part of it at times, but there's, there's a lot of what I would call non-hockey issues that, uh, that we deal with, that we have to manage with to, to make sure that the organization's doing everything right. So speaking of those management type decisions, what goes into the decision to sign a player to a no move or no trade clause? Well, it often just comes down to, to leverage, I would guess, you know, if, uh, if the player's a good enough player. And typically, you see it in the free agent market. You go into the – to sign one of the top free agents, and, and uh, you want that player to come to your club, and uh, money's going to be a part of it, and that player's often going to, uh, you know, request that you, you put, in a, put in a no mover and no trade. So if he's committing to you, he doesn't want you to turn around and then move him elsewhere. So – it, it, it often comes down to those sort of high leverage situations where you're making decisions and, and uh, bidding against other teams and, and the players put in a position where uh, they, they can request that. Some teams are adamant. They, they don't give them out. We, we have not given out a lot here in Philadelphia. Um, and it's, it's difficult. Um, I would say prior to the pandemic, it was difficult, but even now it's, it's more difficult to give those out in view of the fact that the cap doesn't seem to be moving at all. And, you need to have, you know, all the flexibility you can, you can muster to, to, to uh, make the cap work and make your roster work. Have you been surprised with some of the moves that have been made this off season in looking at how the cap has stayed flat and how teams are trying to manage that? Not necessarily. Um, you, you know, it seems like teams have been spending a little bit more money uh, this offseason than the, than the past one from last October, uh, whenever our offseason was. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, maybe the, this group of free agents is a little bit better. Maybe the players are a little bit higher end. Sometimes it's a timing issue of when certain players hit the market. But I think what we see now is teams all think they're close. You know, there's a handful of teams that are clearly rebuilding uh, and are focusing more on the future. But there's a large group of teams like us that feel that we can make the playoffs. And if we make the playoffs, we, you never know. You have a chance. You can compete with anybody. And, you know, to win a Stanley Cup, you, you have to get bounces along the way too. You have to be healthy. You never know what you're going to look like come playoff time in terms of health and circumstances or guys trending the right way. But I think there's a lot of us that feel we're, we're close. So you, you can see the... I guess the urgency with how teams are operating this soft season, the number of trades that have been made, the number of cap clearing moves that have been made uh, to position themselves uh, to, to make a big acquisition or two. And, and uh, it's been fun to see, and it's going to be a competitive league. When you look at the, the flyers right now, as they're constructed today, 
how far away are they from the team in your head that's going to lift the Stanley Cup? That's a, that's a you know, it's a great question. Um, I think we're a competitive team and I, I would, I would suggest that we need a few of our young players to continue to evolve and take a step, which, which often does happen with young players. Not every player reaches his full potential. We all know that, but we have several of them that we feel have a legitimate chance to get better. And, and as they get better, um, I think this team has a chance to keep getting better. And, and so we, we may have a lot of the pieces now, uh, but we do need for a few of our players to continue to evolve and mature and, and, and take another step. So with the pandemic, how much are you weighing last year's team-wide individual poor performances as a result of it being a weird year versus the results were just not great and we needed to make changes? Well, I think I look at it both ways. I, last year was a tough environment, I think, for everybody to operate in, for all of us as individuals. And mm-hmm. everyone's life got turned upside down. And, and there was obviously a lot of uh, horrible things with, with the virus and people getting ill and dying. And, but it, it, it took a toll on players. Um, I, um, you know, we obviously took last year's results seriously because we've made an awful lot of changes. So I think we were not content bringing back the same group. Having said that, we have some young players on our team that didn't play to their ability or didn't play the way they did the year before, and I'm, and I'm fully expecting that to, to turn around. I'm, I'm not looking at last year as a true indicator of how they will perform going forward. One of the big factors in the moves you've made this offseason was changing the mix in the locker room. How does the group that you gave, that you brought in, change things to help this team take a step forward? Yeah, I think the, the be honest with you, the biggest focus was on was on talent and, mm. and trying to add a couple right shot defensemen. We did that two summers ago with with Niskanen and Braun. They're they're hard to find. We don't have a lot of homegrown ones right now in our system. So we really wanted to upgrade our, our defense core. Uh, we wanted to add a couple right shot defensemen. You know, with with Voracek and Atkinson, that's that's a hockey trade. Really, we we did save a little bit on the cap for the next three years, but. Uh, looking at more of a shooter versus a passer. So th- there were specific hockey reasons for doing all of our trades, but, but obviously, you know, one of the side benefits of adding these players, a lot of them have been leaders on other teams or they're all experienced. And we were maybe a little bit young last year in certain areas. And, and I think when adversity hit, we, uh, we didn't handle it as well as a group. And, and I think adding more players with, with experience, with, um, uh, players that have worn a letter, players with that type of experience, I think will will help better insulate uh, the group and protect the group and, and give us uh, a few more voices of reason when when the when the storms when the when the uh, when the, the seas get rough next year. Do you think Philadelphia is a desirable destination for free agents and high profile players? I think it, it varies. I, I think absolutely. We really haven't had. Um, you know, there, there's always players that want to come to Philadelphia, but there's always, there's players that don't want to come to the East coast in, in general. There's players that, you know, don't want to go to Canada or don't want to go to the West coast. So everybody has preferences and sometimes players want to be closer to, to home or that where they, where they uh, grew up. And so you, you are, when players become free agents, sometimes they will exercise their right to, to, to pick a desired location or desired climate or, or, or what have you. But I think for the most part, players are looking at a, um, 
the organization and, and Philadelphia has a tremendous reputation around the league with players that we spend to the cap. We treat our players well. We have strong support from ownership. It's a, it's a nice building. It's a, it's a really nice place to live. So all of those are, are positives, but players, you know, players often want to go to a place where they think they have a chance to win. So that's something that you got to make sure if you're having coming off a down year, sometimes that can impact a player's perception of how close you are to winning. Uh, but fortunately, I think for, for us, um, you know, I think the players around the league believe we're better than what our record indicated last year. That's what I've heard from a lot of them. And, and they believe we will bounce back and they know we're going to spend the resources to do so. What does success look like for the team this year, having won one playoff round in the past 10 years, uh, haven't been to a conference final since 2010? What are, what's, what's the goal for this season? What looks like success? Well, it's hard to predict playoff um, success because there's a whole bunch of factors that could happen when you get there that you, you, you don't have any idea about right now. Um, so I, I know generally base it on that. We obviously want to win a Stanley Cup, but but for me, I, I think you got to take it a step back. And to, to me, success would be in an ideal world, finishing in the top 10 in goals against and, and certainly in the top half of the league because we have no chance to even make the playoffs if, if we don't do that. So I'm breaking it down a little bit, uh, you know, uh, into smaller bites and just uh, looking ahead to next spring. We, we got to be much better defensively. In order to do that, we have to have a really good training camp. And and we have a lot of new players to integrate. There'll be a lot of excitement. The coaches have to get back to hockey 101 and, and, and we need to go zone by zone and revamp and reinvent our game on the ice, reinvent our structure. And uh, if we can do that and get off to uh, – you know, and start building on our game as the season goes and, and improve our defensive record, then I think we'll, we'll have a chance to be successful. So that's what success is going to look like to me. A, a really good camp, and B, building off that and, and being one of the better defensive teams in the league next year. What would have to happen for the Flyers to win the Metropolitan Division? Exactly what we just spoke about. Great yep. camp, take it day by day improve uh, our, our team defense dramatically. And uh, I, think, uh, I think our depth is better this year. You know, we have three lines that we feel can score. Uh, so we have good depth. We're, we're a team that has to, to win because of, uh, you know, our overall team game and, and, and our depth. I mean, we, we may not have the leading score in the league on our team. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll have a 50-goal score, but we have a lot of good players and we have a lot of good players that need to play well and play as a team. If we do that, we can, you know, we're competitive with anybody. So it has been one full day that you've been able to sign Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier to extensions. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> well, that'll be the next order of business, uh, you know, signing our restricted free agents. And, and obviously Carter Hart, Travis Sanheim need new deals. We do have some players that you can talk, uh, you know, speak to about extensions. And we have, we have a good relationship with all, the, all our players and, and they understood the timing. And I think they were hoping that I would focus more time on building the team and, and bringing in players to make us better and knowing that we have the rest of the summer to deal with that. So that, that'll obviously our focus shifts now from the outside to, to our current group of players and, and, and we'll get after it soon. So talking about the current group of players and, and the moves that you've made, Rasmus Ristolainen, what qualities did you see in him that made him worth a first round pick to bring him to the Flyers? Yeah, first and a second. First and um, a second. Yeah, no, it just, it's a really hard skill set to get. I, I tried to get him when I was in Minnesota. Um, 
tried to get him for the last two, three years here. He's just, most players are hard to find. He, he, um, you know, he's a player that can log minutes, play both specialty teams. He has the big shot, but he just has that physical presence that, that, uh, you need. And, and you look at the, um, the size of, of, of the size of the, of the defenseman that the, the, the four, um, the four final teams had this year there. I think the, you look at Tampa Bay and Montreal and all these clubs, they're, they're averaging about six, three, 215, 220 pounds. And it seems to be the model. You need a bigger defense core to, to survive and get through the playoffs. And, you know, the games are tighter checking once you get to the playoffs and, and uh, probably penalties aren't called as frequently. And, and the big, strong defensemen that can knock people around are, are even more valuable and, and you have to step up and get them when you have a chance. So, so we did, and we're happy we did. And I think he hopefully will be a big part of our team for many years to come. And I think the environment we have here will allow him to be uh, to be a little bit more successful than maybe has been the last season or two in, in Buffalo. Last year was a tough year for him. He had a really tough bout with, with COVID and really impacted him for a while. And, and he's fully recovered and healthy now. And I expect, uh, I expect he'll have a pretty good season. That's good to hear that he's feeling better. Um, so talking about what we were just talking about with uh, Ristolainen and and how last year was just not a great year for him. Also, Martin Jones, what makes you feel confident that the two of them can turn around would have been less than ideal public stats in in the recent seasons? Yeah, I don't know that I I agree with that. Last year, Martin Jones uh, five on five stats were actually pretty good. They were quite a bit better in both of our goalies. And uh, I think his PK numbers were way off last year and historically has been pretty decent on the PK, but he, his numbers were poor last year. And, and, um, you know, so I, look, Martin Jones has played a lot of hockey, played as many minutes as almost any goalie in the league since 2015 or 16. He's been in the Stanley cup finals, Stanley cup semifinals. He's won 30 games in a season, four different times. And, you know, it, it's, uh, he's not the typical guy you, you, you look at bringing in sort of as a one B or a two, um, you know, I think if you, took, um, you know, a, a lot of goalies and, and put them in the situation he's been in the last couple of years. My guess is their numbers are, are not going to be very good, but, but we're, we're comfortable with Martin as a goalie. He's 31. Uh, we like his durability. We like the fact he can play. And, and uh, based on how condensed the schedule will be this year, we're going to need two goalies to win games. And, and if one guy gets hurt, the other guy's going to have to be able to run a lot of games off in a short period of time. And, and, and that is one of Martin's uh, qualities that he's got that durability and that ability to play a lot. Yeah. So you've mentioned durability a couple times. Is that what makes Martin Jones an upgrade over Brian Elliott? Well, Brian's been healthy for the last year. Certainly had some health issues before that, but uh, um, you know, it, it, he's uh, Martin's been a number one goalie until basically now and we'll see what happens this year I think it's going to be more of a tandem or again we're going to need both guys to play a lot of games but but uh, it's just difficult to 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 get goaltenders like that that are 31 and and have played a lot of hockey and have that type of track record so if you could say one thing to the fans of the Flyers if there's one thing you want them to take out of this interview what would that be um that you ask good questions (laughs) That's important to me personally that they know that. <laughs> yeah, we do. You ask great. You ask great questions. Thank you. Oh no! Look, we uh, we recognize last year wasn't wasn't good enough, and and we've gone about it. And look, I I know uh, 
in today's day and age, any move you make, probably 50% of the people like it, 50% of the people hate it. Um, there's not many moves that are slam dunks. So, and, and that stuff doesn't really concern me too much. I'm not too, too concerned about how I'm perceived it, but certainly, um, you know, our goal is to make our team better. And we think we have. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it was really, really great talking to you. That's all that I have. Um, so I appreciate your time. No problem, Stephanie. Thank you for having me.